The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. technical glitches already good morning folks it's monday may 2nd 2022 uh good morning to the governor's podcast uh people we are this is our first day on governor's podcast and like to welcome them aboard looking forward to uh being part of that and uh today i will be kind of highlighting some of the shows that are on governor's podcast uh and uh, introducing you to just not necessarily won't have them here don't get don't get excited uh some of the hosts of some of those shows will just be going through the website and showing you uh, about these shows that you can expect to find on governor's podcast including the knock em dead show which follows this uh four days a week uh, except wednesday monday tuesday thursday and friday uh with tony walker and his lovely wife and uh we'll be uh Highlighting what's coming up on those shows and what you can look forward to on the network. Uh, so it should be, uh, that should be some fun. Take some time up. going to be a, a lot of coffee today. I could see I'm going go through a couple of pots. A uh, couple of pots. It's going to be a several pot day. Big pot day. Big pot day. <laughs> it's damn good coffee, I got to tell you. I love that coffee. Anyway, welcome to uh, all my friends out there. It's great to be back. Been a very uh, you know, exhausting kind of weekend for me. Played three gigs this weekend, uh, and uh, actually four if you ca- if you count Thursday. Um, did more singing than I've ever done in my life in a weekend, I think. Because, um, well, on Friday night, especially, Mikey was taking some breaks. He had some friends there and leaving it up to me and walking away um disappearing and then saturday night i gotta cover half um roughly half the show with kiara and then the other two gigs i was completely on my own so doing a lot more singing than i'm used to so by time yeah my voice by time we were done my voice was gone just gone and uh it's still a little bit shot right now anyway um got some big things cooking like to say that I finished the book. I'd like to say that I finished the book. I did finish the book, but of course the book's not done. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I finished the book, but now it's off to the editor. Editor, and when the editing notes come back, there's going to be some rewrites, and and uh, maybe it won't be as bad as I think. But there'll be some decisions to be made, and then all of a sudden it's time for cover design and all i haven't put much thought into the cover design at all actually i know what i want for cover design but i think davy do actually lost the photo it was uh, from a photo shoot we did for hair designer tv yes hair designer tv um 
probably about six or se- more than six or seven years ago now, probably about nine years ago. Uh, but it's one of my favorite uh, photos ever of me. And I always said, if I ever finish the book, that's going to be my cover. Well, it turns out Davy's computer crashed. He doesn't know what happened to um, the image. So it might be lost forever. Might have it on some hard drive somewhere, but who knows? Anyway, the book is finished. Now, I'm not going to... I'm, usually, I'm pretty uh, undisciplined about sharing work before it's ready for the public, but I'm not going to be doing that with this one. I'm going to be um, taking my time, <clears throat> making sure the edit is perfect, ready for release before I share it with anybody. But at some point, we will start uh, marketing the book in in maybe possibly taking some pre-orders and things like that. Very excited to actually finally say, it's done. I finished the writing. Of course, again, when the editing comes back, I'm not going to be necessarily finished with the writing. Um, Big news in the world of television. Uh, and you know me, I'm not a television guy. I don't know much about television. But this James Corden, uh, the late, late show guy, the guy who follows Stephen Colbert is stepping away um, from that show. Now that's those shows that follow the main uh, Johnny Carson shows <laughs> on all those networks. They don't do that great. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Craig Ferguson did well. Uh, Conan O'Brien did well in those spots. But not, they weren't killing. They weren't killing the ratings. They weren't ratings magnets. Uh, and so for people who have um, a, lot, a world of talent and a, a uh, something else to do, really not that hard to step away from that kind of show. Craig Ferguson did it and didn't look back. Um, Conan seems to have sort of done it and not looking back. He's, although he's doing similar stuff now on HBO, I guess. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I can't keep saying, here's the thing. Um, people are saying, well, who's the next guy to take over that show? And uh, to me, it doesn't matter who the next guy to take over that show is. If they don't change the format, if they don't get younger, if they don't get more in tune with what college kids want, it doesn't matter who who takes that show. It's still going to be the same shit old boring 20th century Johnny Carson wannabe. We have no other ideas, but a guy sitting at a desk interviewing people. Now, I understand um, this James Courtney uh, guy who's stepping away. Had a world of talent, singing and dancing. I guess he wasn't that funny, though, from what people... Now, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm never a fan. Don't watch... Uh, television at all. Don't even have it in my house. But uh, from what I hear and what I gather on social media, he was never that funny. He didn't have a lot of fans in the comedy world who had a whole lot of respect for him. Um, So there's that. But so a lot of people thinking, well, I should be the next guy. And I've seen comedians uh, pitch for it. social media on twitter and stuff but they're pitching for the same show screw the same show 
Kids don't want the same show. Kids want something dangerous. And so this is where I come in. <laughs> I make myself laugh. What can I tell you? Um, I want to do a, a late night show. And people say, well, how can you do a late night show and a morning show? I can because I'm sick in the head. That's how I can do that. Don't you ever sleep? Yeah, I'm sleeping now. <laughs> I sleep when I drive. I sleep when I walk. I'm always sleeping. I'm sleeping 24 hours a day. You just can't tell that I'm sleeping because my mouth keeps going and words keep coming out. But I'm sound asleep right now. Uh, Give it away a little bit of the book there. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Anyway, um, the idea is that I can do a, a late night show and I can do something that is very different. Uh, and of course, on network television, but it could be. It certainly could be. You could rock the network television world by doing uh, the kind of show that I envision. And not so very different from what I do in the mornings here or what Mind Dog TV is. It's basically having guests on that are unpredictable and not necessarily, you know, the big celebrity guests, although it would be cool to have, like, Dave Grohl on and be able to take phone calls and FaceTimes from college kids in their dorm room who want to talk to their celebrity. And basically, it would have to be on just a few seconds delay. So if they dropped an F-bomb or anything, they could be bleeped out, but live on the internet and let all that shit just go. Let it flow. Let it fly. Anything goes because we're on the internet, not necessarily only on network television. And so that live, live television, rather than something that's taped at 5 o'clock and presented as a live fucking dopey guy sitting behind a desk with canned fucking jokes, knowing everything is scripted bullshit, no, let's make it a little dangerous. Let's make it a little, you never know what to expect. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to say today. But I can guarantee you uh, it will be interesting on some level and definitely a little bit walking the tight wire and without a net, working without a net, which is what we do here every day. I think that's what uh, late night is calling for, something fresh, something new, and TV executives are just so fucking blind about uh, where the younger generation is going. They they don't want Johnny Carson. They don't even know who Johnny Carson was. Johnny Carson's their grandparents' fucking late-night TV host. And nobody has been able to move past that in those late-night time spots. Well, I think it's about time. And they don't necessarily want a young host, which is why I think, uh, an asshole like me can take over. Listen, Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder was the last guy to kind of push the envelope. I was sitting in my dorm room watching him with Wendy uh, Williams Plasmatics take a chainsaw to a television on live television. And I thought, wow, that's cool. Tom Snyder, for the most part, was, was a live show. Tomorrow's show. Fucking smoking cigarettes talking to Johnny Rotten, getting in fights with Johnny Rotten, arguments uh, in real time, having people on like Lennon. And now, 
that kind of stuff. And and Tom was not Mr. Smooth. He wasn't the young hip guy. But the young hip people in college they they watched that show. Now Letterman tried to do something different. He was a younger hipper Carson, but again, that format played played itself out. And so that's all they know now. Hopefully we'll open up some fucking eyes and say, wait, you don't have to do that now. Uh, Mike Zinn says, it's fun. I'd love to chat about it with you. You got my number, brother. You call anytime you want. Matter of fact, uh, phone lines are open now. Uh, <laughs> not just yet. Um, as I mentioned, we are on Governor's uh, podcast today, formerly Governor's Radio. I liked it better when they called it Governor's Radio. Brian Moreno will be with me at uh, 10 a.m. this morning. Brian is an L.A. comedian, director, actor, and writer, uh, and uh, he calls himself the alien uh, comedian. Uh, got some really unique takes on this stuff. He's got he's a um, very well-rounded guy, comedian, uh, and very much into the UFO, out-of-this-world stuff. Uh, so it should be an interesting, a really interesting chat with him that's going to be very early for him 7 a.m you think you think starting a show at 8 30 a.m here is early well it's going to be 7 a.m for him he's out in la and which we're getting a lot of the la comics which is another reason i want to do the late night show opens it up to more guests from the west coast which i seem to have a lot more people over there all right i'm going to show you some of the um Who's on Governor's Podcast? So so you know some of these people. Let's see here. We're going to do a little share here and look at um, look at some of the, uh, the Gov sh- shows that are up. Now, as I mentioned, the one that follows this, which one? Where? Uh, here we go. Our shows. Got a lot of things, a lot of tabs back here. The one that follows this show four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays, is Knock Em Dead comedy show uh, featuring Tony Walker. Sally and Tony host a comedy radio show where new topics are discussed and they interact with fun guests, call-ins, and and, com- and your comments. Uh, they also feature exclusive prizes, play music, and have a lot of fun. Okay, so that will start at 11 a.m. today. Now, we're going to be uh, leaving the Governor's Network at 1045. I think on on Wednesday, there's no reason to do that. We're doing that in order to make the switch over. I don't know why we need 15 minutes. i got to talk to the tech people about this. It shouldn't take 15 minutes. We should be able to do that in 15 seconds, really. But one minute, three minutes should be plenty. Anyway, we'll get that. But for for now, we're leaving the uh, Gov Network at 1045. From what that point on, we'll be on MindDog um, YouTube page and Patreon page and things like that. Um, Elio Pace questions and answers live. Uh, well, it's got an old date here, so I'm not sure if that's a, an ongoing show, actually. Uh, Elio, Elio Pace is, uh, that looks like it was a one-time thing. Every uh, a Monday at 6.30 p.m., the Steve Show. Uh, I guess there's two guys named Steve. There's a lot of guys named Steve. <laughs> on Long Island. Uh, Hermie said he never met anybody named Mac or, or Smitty. 
I have an abundance of Mac and Smitty's. I could I could throw them a, a Mac and Smitty and still have plenty, uh, plenty left over in my life. What do you get when you pair uh, pair a cynical actor and a cynical Long Islander? The Steve Show. Uh, we could check out the show, uh, The Wart, which is uh, every other Monday at eight PM. Craft beer radio show, The Wart. Mike, Pete, and Steve. Mike, Pete, and Steve host Long Island, New York based craft beer show. They speak to brewers, bartenders, restaurateurs, and beer lovers. And who doesn't love a good beer? Tom Filippiano uh, has a uh, flip tracks. Uh, with Tom San Filippo, Filippo, I thought Filippiano, <laughs> Filippo, Tom San Filippo. Uh, Tom's been around the music scene on Long Island for a long, long time, uh, professionally for 25 years, and still continues to find uh, new meaning of the word guitarist. He does a show every other Monday at 8 p.m. So I guess they're switching over. So which one is tonight? I don't know. Is this one of the other ones or the other one? Every other Monday? Every other Monday. No, it should be every Monday and then every other Monday. <laughs> Good times, bad times with Joey Petroni. Every other Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. So a lot of every others. Joey Petroni grew up in Levittown, Long Island, uh, being told his parents, by his parents and school teachers, clergy, and anyone important to him to stop asking stupid questions. They all said, you'll never amount to anything by asking stupid questions. Well, folks... They may have been bad times, but look at him now. Uh, Joey Petroni looks like Don Juan. Remember old Don Juan? Um, so that show is what, every other Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Hershey and Keegs, Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Uh, Mike and Mike, two guys named Mike. Got a lot, seems to be a lot of guys who, with the same name hooking up. Uh, Don Sills, conversations with, with Don Sill. Uh, Donversations with Don Sill. Uh, Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Don has been in the chat room for this show. Uh, many times seen him uh, hanging out with us and uh, look forward to checking out his show. I want to get all these people on eventually to help promote their shows here. Don will always serves up an interesting and entertaining conversation with some of the coolest people in the biz. What biz would that be? I guess comedy. I guess. The Almost Irish podcast, uh, Thursdays at 7 p.m., Almost Irish podcast with Mick Thomas, Dennis Rooney, and Don Barry. Well, those certainly sound like Irish names. It sounds like an Irish podcast, not almost. Top fives with Don Sill, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Uh, how is that different from the Don Versations? We don't really know. Uh, Don, host of Put Up and Shut Up and Stand Up, brings you the top fives. Top fives. Lives. Live from Governor's Green Room is Saturday at 7 30. That's an interesting show. You never know what can happen in the green room, who's coming and going. Uh, so that's a really interesting show. And then um, something I'm, I've checked out a couple of times. Again, you never know what's going to happen there, which is, I like that. That's live, dangerous, working without a net. Domestic Disturbance Podcast. Uh, with three comedians, three opinions, and one shit show. <laughs> That's the description. That's not me saying that. I would not call anything a shit show, except this. Uh, Christy Unleashed uh, doesn't say when that's on. Oh, tune in every Sunday at 8 p.m. with Christy and Mark for the most savage 
as fuck commentary on the latest Hollywood headlines, in-studio guests, and so much more. So much more. Uh, Serenity Soul Sisters. When is that on? Doesn't say. We don't have a date for that. I don't know. When is it on? We don't know. We'll have to find out about that. Serenity Soul Sisters. Sounds like uh, sounds like something that's up Mike Zinzali. Uh Cars Comedy and uh, Cars and Comedy with Tom and Brett. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld would like a word. Uh, well, of course, he'd like to talk about my coffee addiction too. But an online streaming show combining laughs with cars uh, and doesn't say when it's on. All these shows, I guess they're. Um, I guess they're just hit and miss. When they're on, they're on. I don't know. They didn't. They're not assigned any time here. Films on tap, comedy comedians on hockey. Uh, by the way, I need a sports guy for the morning show. If anybody knows a sports guy, we have. It took me a while to actually find right under my nose my uh, morning news girl, <laughs> Kiara. By the way, people came down to the gig the other night. Uh, all they wanted to talk about was the fabulous news girl. She, you know, oh, loving the news girl, love her segments. What about what about the rest of the show? Man, she's great. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's it really the Kiara show, and I'm just kind of a, a placeholder till she gets here. Uh, the Jeff Bossy, uh, no rhyme, no reason. Uh, Rich Rader, no rhyme or reason, no reason. Two comedians with different views on everything. Where they end up is anyone's guess. Again, none of the times are set for this stuff. Excuse me. Uh, go to govpodcast.com slash shows to find out more. We're not listed there. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> the word is on tonight. Okay, t- Tony says the word is on tonight. So the mon- that's this Monday and then the other Mondays or the other Mondays. <laughs> I don't know if it's always going to work out first Monday of the, of the month and like that, but that's the way it is now. Um, what else did we want to talk about today? Well, um, you know, you know, again, I'm talking about I need a sports guy. I definitely need a sports guy for the morning. I'm looking for an intern. No pay to start out with, but I will work very hard to get sponsorship for that part of uh, that portion of the show. Just looking for a short, uh, two short uh, sports reports within the show. Uh, it could be three minutes or five minutes. Quickie, um, national, local, somewhat local but more national sports, worldwide sports stories, whether it's World Cup or something, if something is of interest, all that stuff would be good. Light, uh, quick, short to the point. Now, in the sports world, some people know, I used to be a Met fan. I used to be a baseball fan till 2008. September 28, 2008, my last pitch that I watched. Uh, and I vowed that I would not become, I would not go back to watching the Mets or even watch any sports until the Wilpons sold the team. The Wilpons were the former owners of the Mets. And they sucked. They're arrogant, rich assholes. Guy put his, his dopey son in charge of the baseball team. His son knew nothing about baseball. 
And I was just tired of of having him choke. Just tired of being mad at it all the time. So, been away from the game. And been this Mets this year have been off to a very good start. And I got lots of Mets fans bragging about what's going on. And they're acting like they won the World Series already. May 1st, May 2nd today. Um, and games in April are important, but World Series are not won in April. They're won in October. Um, that said, I do have an interest in the game because I think they're fucking up the game with all the new rules and all that stuff. But of all the things that are fucking up the game, in my mind, Nothing has fucked it up as much as something that's not a rule. It's a policy. Pitch count. They take pitchers out. They count how many pitchers they throw. And when it gets up around 100, even if they're throwing a no-hitter, striking everybody out, nobody's nobody's touching them. Got to take them out. Which is ridiculous. If you're old enough to remember Johnny Carson <laughs> in the 20th century, you're old enough to remember real pitching. People like Nolan Ryan, who struck out more people than anybody, who got stronger in the later innings. People like Bob Gibson. You couldn't take them out of a game. I don't care if they threw 150 pitches, 170 pitches. They were in there. Some of these pitchers, they were locked in pitchers' duels, shutouts. Went 13, 14. I remember uh, a game Doc Gooden and uh, Fernando uh, Valenzuela. I think it was 14 innings. They they matched goose eggs. 14 innings. Now pitchers are lucky five innings, and they take them out. So the Mets had a no-hitter Friday night, and I, the, the restaurant we were playing at, everybody was excited. Mets had a no-hitter. I was like, who pitched it? Well, five guys. Five fucking guys. That's a travesty. That, well, and I could get it. You're excited. Your team had a no hitter. It, it's a combined no hitter, but and and fine. I get it. You should. It means that you took a guy out who was pitching a no hitter. You don't do that. That's not baseball. That ain't what the game's about. You let the guys go, and we talk about all these injuries and all these pitches and their arm breaking down. Why? Because they fucking pamper them like children. They're so worried about guys getting hurt that they cause guys to get hurt. They don't let them work. They don't let them work hard enough. They don't let them condition their arms strong enough. Again, you got Nolan Ryan, Tom Seaver, uh, Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, Juan Marichal. No, I'm leaving out all the... All the people uh, in the American League. Good morning, Otis. Yeah, there is no crying in baseball, but there is a lot of whining in baseball and a lot of awful lot of Tommy John surgeries. And why? Why? Because they don't let them pitch. They don't let them. They don't let them go deep into games. And so, yeah, why? Yeah, you can celebrate a no hitter. Is it a no hitter when five guys have to fucking do it? Yeah, it's still a no-hitter, but it's not the kind of no-hitter that you could say, yeah, look at Johan Santana pitched a no-hitter. Yeah, look at whoever. 
I don't know. How many no-hitters? So that's the second no-hitter in the Mets franchise history. (laughs) And it had to be done by five guys. Nolan Ryan pitched till he was 47 years old, throwing heat, real heat, harder heat, hotter heat, up in in, in the later innings. He got harder. He he threw hard. And all those guys, Kurt Schilling, they threw harder from the sixth inning on. Starting pitchers today don't make it to the sixth inning. Just a, it's just a travesty. It's just a travesty, I tell you. Uh, enough of the baseball stuff. But I, again, um, looking for um, sports guy. Just come on, do three to five minutes uh, twice in uh, twice a show, once an hour, uh, and uh, we'll work hard to get make it a paying position eventually. As soon as uh, we can get proof of concept and and have something to sell to sponsors, that's what I'm looking for. So if you know anybody, young, old, doesn't matter as long as they got a sense of humor and uh, really, really know their sports. They don't even really have. They could just have an opinion about sports. They don't have to be Mike Francesa or some douchebag with who's just like an arrogant fuck about it. Um. Uh, that would be cool. Send them my way. Put them in touch with me. DMs or write to info at minddogtv.com, info at minddogtv.com, and we'll see if we can get that happening. <clears throat> Mike Lindell, the crazy fuck. It's the, in the news again. Uh, Mike Lindell, and I'm like, I hate to make too much stuff about politics on the morning show. It's supposed to be light and, light and easy conversation. And politics is not generally um, easy. Well, Otis, you love sports. If you want to, if you want to, uh, you want to try it out. Oh, let's talk again. Let's talk off uh, air. Not right now. I'm in the middle of the show, but I would definitely love to talk to you about doing it, and that, that might be fun. So we have we have a hat in the ring. Somebody to talk to about that. Uh, I was on Mike Lindell. Now, Mike Lindell, you know, hardcore Trumper. Guy, my pillow guy, who uh, believes in all. He's he's a former crack addict, I believe, and I think he still has a lot of brain damage from from his crack days. Now that I don't, I can't verify that, so I'm not saying that as a fact. But I've been told he has a uh, a past that includes crack and maybe some other heavy drugs. Seems to have really melted his brain. He's the CEO of, of MyPillow, and he embraces every crazy conspiracy theory, and he's one of these guys who swears he's going to get Trump reinstated, which is impossible. Trump could run again and win again, but he can't be reinstated. Lindell just keeps harping on that. That's not the issue. He talks to God. He talks to God, and God talks back to him. Which is something to be concerned about. Listen, when Oral Roberts did that, we all agreed he was fucking nuts. I think we can agree Mike Lindell is fucking nuts. He, God tells him what to do and how to do it and, and what the future is going to be. Um, and I don't care what your faith is. If you're talking to God and God's talking back to you, you need some psychiatric help, man. God, 
if you're hearing the burning bush lay it out for you, uh, you got to back off, man. You got to back off. Anyway, so stupid Mike Lindell, crazy Mike Lindell, got banned from Twitter. Got banned from Twitter for his conspiracy theories and misinformation he was putting out there. <coughs> and two yesterday, yesterday, he went on his own website to announce he was starting a new Twitter uh, account because he had been banned from life. Now, they make it clear, when you get banned from Twitter, don't try to start another account because we'll find you and we'll ban you again. He goes out and makes it public and puts it all over the place. And people shared it all over Twitter of him saying not only that he had started a new account to get around his lifetime ban, but what his handle was on Twitter. And Twitter saw that and banned him again immediately. It's like, how fucking stupid can you be? It's like sending a, a text to the bank that you're going to rob them. <laughs> when you see me coming... Make sure you arrest me because I'm coming to rob the bank. Okay. Boom, you're gone. Three hours uh, after he started his new account with Banned for Life again. Do you think that's going to stop him? I bet he's going to do it again and he's going to do the exact same crazy shit. In other words, he's going to post exactly what he's doing, breaking the rules, and where you can find them. And it's kind of hard to hide when you're a nut job talking to God and you want people to follow you, you know, you got a message to get out. You have to let people know where you are. Well, when you know, let people know where you are, the people who banned you know where you are. So that that's that, man. Oh, brother. People are all fucking stupid. What can I tell you? Anyway, it is uh, right around the uh, 9 o'clock time. It's time to uh, introduce you to our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by uh, Cola Coffee. You know all about Cola Coffee, don't you? Cola Coffee is the best coffee in the United States, as rated by uh, Forbes magazine. It's also one of the top 10 coffees in the world as rated by Forbes magazine. But I'm here to tell you, as rated by MindDog, Forbes, uh, Forbes, Coa Coffee is the number one coffee in the world, according to me. Um, and it is absolutely the best coffee I've ever tasted. And I would not say that if it weren't true. I would not, um, not even, not even for all the money in the world. You couldn't pay me to be a sponsor to say something that I really didn't believe was true. I really believe, uh, cold coffee is the best coffee I've ever tasted. Really, really good stuff. It's grown, hand-grown on the slopes of the Manalona Volcano in uh, Hawaii and hand-picked. And, uh, again, great coffee. I hope you'll check it out. Cold Coffee, please support our sponsors, Cold Coffee. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blends, no compromise, try the true taste of Aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand-picked, expertly roasted, and delivered from Hawaii to your door with aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa Volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, 
They strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality and their awards proven. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. Find out what it's all about. Go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. Where's the girl? Oh, there she is. Hello. I'm not even going to ask if you want to come back for coffee because you turn me down every single day. Cold coffee. Great coffee, folks. Uh, check it out. Links in the description. Um, I could bring the, the link up here. You're familiar what's going on in the United States. If you don't know about it, that's not your fault. But you really should know about it. Um, the media doesn't cover this shit. We cover Amber Heard shitting in the bed. Like, that's really important. That's going to have an effect on your life. New Mexico is burning, folks. Parts of Texas are burning. Parts of Arizona and Oklahoma, Colorado. Burning. Going up in smoke. Big time. Some of the biggest uh, brush fires ever. People in New Mexico are really, really seeing it. I mean, the images from there are stunning, scary, messed up, horrific. And what we're talking about is a girl shitting in the bed. Celebrities. Like, we care about that so much that it means everything. Um, and it's really, it's, it's fascinating to see where our priorities are in, in some of this stuff. And why? What's going on now? We still have people. I'm sorry to make it everything political, but everything is political at, 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 the, at the end of the day. comes down to politics. Climate change. We still have people that deny that we're going through certain serious changes. Uh, and the political point of it, it's about money and protecting the status quo of corporate greed. That's what it's about. So, but there's a fair argument to be made that there's not much that we can do to stop it at this point. You can make that argument. You can make the argument that even though, even if you agree, because we don't all agree, we don't even agree that it's happening. There are people who just deny that any anything, any kind of changes are happening. Now, those people... Uh, are in the Mike Lindell category. They're fucking Fruit Loops. You, the sky is falling, and they just don't look up. <laughs> they just deny the reality. You know, when states are on fire, complete states. New Mexico's not a Rhode Island. It's a fucking huge state, and it's burning up. And that never, never happened before in your lifetime. And here in New York, I, again, I've brought this up. We used to see the Great South Bay freeze over solid for months, two or three months. In my lifetime, every winter it happened. 
doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't freeze over for a day or not even a thin coat of ice. We used to be like three or four feet thick in the winter. No, it doesn't freeze at all. We haven't had any rain in New Mexico. Haven't had a drop of rain. And it's bone dry. And so the whole state's going up in flames. And so we, uh, the truth is we can't deny that it's happening. The, if you want to make any argument at all about it, is there anything we could do about it at this point? Has it gone too far that it's beyond our scope to really reverse? That argument can be made. But if you're going to make the argument that it's not real, you're just like well, talking to God. You're, you're just kidding yourself. So it is happening. And my heart goes out to my friends out there. And somebody said, you know, because I said, it's funny that we care more about droughts in the Sahara Desert, Africa, than we do about droughts in America. We talk more about that. But we also talk more about Amber Heard shit in the bed. Our priorities are all in the wrong place. And no more, though, you know, uh, that's no greater place is that illustrated that our priorities are all in the wrong place. In uh, Speaking of, of fires, good morning, Craig. Uh, but maybe we get a, a little report on there. How's it looking out? Craig's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, for people who don't know. I'm just talking about the fires and <clears throat> global warming and what you're going through out there. Because... Let's face it, it's not on the news. You know about it's the, probably the biggest story in your life. I'm talking to Craig Johnson, who's out in Albuquerque right now. Probably the biggest story in your life this morning. But for people in 45 other states, I'll say that many, probably the biggest story is still Johnny Depp and Amber Heard's fucking divorce or lawsuit about her um defam- the defamation case about the article she wrote <coughs> claiming she was a victim of marital abuse without naming john you, you can't say you can't write an uh a article about being a victim of spousal abuse when you've only been married once and think just because you don't name the spouse <laughs> that people aren't going to figure out who it is so the defamation case. But so that's the most important thing in people's life. While New Mexico is burning, gets no news coverage. No news coverage whatsoever. Uh, so hopefully Craig will let us know what's going on. I hope everybody's safe. I mean, the pictures out there are just, wow, um, just really devastating. Really devastating. And never seen fires that look quite so big, so much of so much uh, real estate burning up. Don't know what's going on with evacuations or any of that stuff. But again, brought up that we care more about droughts in Africa than we do in droughts in America. Mexico needs water, folks. It's raining here. (coughs) April showers are supposed to bring me flowers. We got more May showers. They could use some of this rain. They're not going to get the rain, but they definitely need. We definitely need solutions. 
Unless we're just going to write all those fucking people off and say, you know what? We don't care about them. Yeah, they're part of America. Mind some assholes, and this is, <laughs> I found this out over the last 40 years. There are still people who don't know New Mexico is part of the United States of America. New Mexico, what do we care about them for? Because it? it's got the word Mexico in it. You think they're Mexico? New Mexico. It's a state, folks. Hello. <laughs> Wake up. Uh, Craig says, wind's expected to go 30 to uh, 50 the next three days. Evacuation another way in the affected areas. New fires broke out in the southwest part of the state. Fuck and fuckity fuck. Major metro areas are affected in the north central by uh, smoke and air quality. Yeah, I saw that in the red sun and, you know, all that stuff. And everything's... And let's... Let's face it, there, a lot of the state is agricultural still, even though it's kind of deserty. Um, and so all that smoke and soot in the air, not good for the agricultural businesses that are going to survive and, you know, all that stuff. It's a fucking disaster, humanitarian disaster happening right in the United States. And we're caring about nothing. And I don't want to sound like I don't care about people uh, around the world. We care about our brothers and sisters and our neighbors first. That's just the way it should be. I'm not an America first guy. But when it comes to disasters and dealing with people in need, you got to go to your next door neighbor before you can go around the world to help out. Anyway, good morning, Kelly. Uh, good to see you with us here. Uh I don't think you're affected by fires. Where you, you, Southwest uh, Missouri, probably not seeing much. We're going to make sunsets pretty to the east for quest. <clears throat> Excuse me with the cough. Still uh, got some remnants from that stuff. We're going to make uh, sunsets pretty to the east for quite some time. Enjoy. Um we're not seeing any smoke or any any of that kind of stuff yet uh again you know because sunsets um basically uh are to the west right and so we're, we're not seeing any any of those uh and like who the hell cares about pretty <laughs> but um anyway uh no but it's, it's just where our priorities are, and now coming back to where our priorities are, where uh, Elon Musk's story is just going to, until he actually uh, finalizes that sale, and even after he finalizes the sale of, uh, of Twitter, when he fully owns it and, and the SEC approves it and all that stuff, and the deal is done, it's just going to continue to dominate the news. Now, Elon Musk, it seems... Like he bought Twitter just for attention for himself. Like he's he wants he so desperately wants to be a comedian, but he's not funny at all. He's just a uh a boring drip. He's a silver spoon brat who made some good deals in his life and, and but he's just all about greed. And now he's all about attention. And looking, to, looking to try to, to to be funny on Twitter. It seems that's his his goal, but he's not he's not funny at all.
But that's the major story. But that's not the point I'm I'm going for here. The point I'm going for is priorities in the world. And I I brought this up last week. And I still, it's, I'm not going to let it go because I'm like a pit bull with it. People coming out and saying, well, what he could have done with that money. What he could have done with his $44 billion or $45 billion. He could have put an end to world hunger. People don't give a shit about world hunger. We don't give a shit about world hunger. Uh, and you could disagree with me on that. But I think the reality is in the doing or not doing. We don't have to wait for Elon Musk or any billionaire to address world hunger if we really want to address world hunger. We don't. It's something we want to talk about because it it makes us, uh, it gives us something to argue about. It gives us something to virtue signal about. If we cared about it, we'd do something about it. When your rent is due, you don't wait for rich people to to take care of the problem for you. You go out and get the money to pay your rent. Like William Conway, you go out and rob a flower shop. You make it happen. You don't sit back and say, I wish there was some billionaire who could solve my problem for me. Because it's important enough to you to solve the problem, you get off your own ass and do it. I'm not saying I wouldn't love Musk to be a humanitarian and not be a greedy asshole. But if if the, the problem were real, and we uh, problem is real, if we really cared about the problem, if we really were earnest in what we want him to do, we'd be doing it ourselves. We wouldn't wait for him. No, we're just bullshitting ourselves. And I know a lot of people got mad at me when I said that on Twitter. Even friends of mine came back to me like, because they get angry because they want to be angry at him. And they want to use that as the reason for being angry at him. Uh, you don't need a reason to be angry at him. You could just be mad at him because he's a greedy fuck who's not funny. You bought something just to fucking tell you jokes that aren't funny. He bought Twitter just so he could... He could amuse himself with really bad humor because he has the right. He's like a fucking rich little brat who's got his way. You could be mad at him that, but don't say, "Well, he could have, he could have ended world hunger." He could, maybe, maybe he could. But if that's really you want what you're really going after, and you want to solve that problem, you don't have to fucking wait for him. You don't have to count on him doing it. So. Lose that bullshit from your mouth and from your rationale and from your argument. You just tell the truth. You hate him because he's a dick. So, sorry to sorry to be on a soapbox here this morning, but that's. I mean, we got to keep it real, folks. Keep it real. You don't fucking bullshit yourself before, because you, if you bullshit yourself, um, nobody can ever have any faith in you in what you say and what you do. Anyway. Uh, so that's priorities and all that stuff. Yeah, I guess we're talking too much about Musk, yes. Well, it's and again, it's not about Musk. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about priorities and people who smoke screen. And they talk about problems like world hunger and, and how it's 
Musk's place to fix that or or address that with his money. And that's just bullshit. That's the point, Christina. It's not about Musk. It's about the people who... <clears throat> it's about the people who are don't like Musk, who would all of a sudden bring up, well, he could have... Could have put an end to world hunger. Don't bullshit me because we don't give a shit about world hunger. Just like we don't give a shit about fires in New Mexico unless you live there. We could talk about it, but nobody's doing anything about it. And if you say, oh, we got to wait for billionaires to solve it, then you don't really give a shit about it. Because, again, you got a problem. You don't wait for a billionaire to solve your problem. If your rent is due, you don't wait for it because it's important to you. If you're hungry... You don't wait for some rich fuck to say go out and buy a supermarket to feed you. You go out and get your own food. If you have a problem, you deal with it. I fight world hunger every every day. <laughs> I eat my share. You and everybody else who who is lucky enough. And but again, it, it's we don't give a fuck about it. And to and anybody who says they do they really care is either bullshitting themselves or just virtual virtue signaling or using it as a smoke screen to hide what they're really pissed about people aren't pissed about at, at uh greedy greedy boy car boy because he's not saving uh solving the world hunger issue they're not that's not the real issue that's not what they're pissed about so they're full of shit. Just like, uh, well, if, if we're going to get on him, what he should be spending his money on, he's, maybe he should be spending his money on uh, trying to dump some water on New Mexico <laughs> to keep it from burning up. Yeah, again, I, you know, send a water truck, I guess. I'll send a water truck. No, but, you know, engineering dams and all that kind of stuff, we've solved water problems before. The Hoover Dam is a great example of, you know, California was basically uh, extreme. Uh, and it's, I know it's got droughts again, but it was completely with, without water before the Hoover Dam uh, project. So there are things that we money could help in solving those kind of issues. Long term, who knows? Okay, <clears throat> Brian Marino will be with us at 10 o'clock. Brian Marino is the alien comic. He's a, uh, he's a director and writer and comedian, and uh, he started at the House of Blues of Sunset uh, as an MC and their in-house comedian. Got a great resume. He'll be with us uh, at 10 a.m., and uh, we'll talk about two uh, aliens in, in comedy. Aliens, yeah. I mean, he's an out-of-space uh out of space com- com- comedian he calls himself the uh, alien comic. I don't know if he calls himself that. I call him that. No, I think somewhere I saw he, he's listed as that. Anyway, he'll be with us at 10 a.m. Now, I mentioned the uh, lineup on Gov's podcast, and I hope you'll check them out right after this show. Knock them dead comedy today. Now, I want to mention some of the. Uh, com- uh, Comedians that are coming to Governor's, uh, Governor's Comedy Club here on Long Island. And there are several locations, so I'm going to go through this. Now, <clears throat> the world is a one-way street, folks. E- even podcasting, it's a one-way street. 
And I got a lot of friends who are podcasters. Wow. They found a body in, in the barrel in Lake Mead, uh, concrete shoes from the 60s. Hmm. I think I might know who that is. is it? Oh, from the 60s, you say. I was going to say it could be Jimmy. Uh, it could be. Uh, but no, Jimmy's from the 70s, 1975, I believe he went missing. <clears throat> anyway, so here's uh, the governor's comedy site here. Are we seeing this here? Yes, we are. Just want to make sure you're seeing that. Seeing what I'm seeing. Um, wait, where's the tab? Okay, here we are. Governor's main room. Now, where I brought up um, the world is a one-way street. So we got, uh, and I'm not going to put pronounce that Dorsic John Dorsic uh improv classes in the giggles room on May 3rd which is tomorrow all-star comedy show is uh what is that is that Thursday Thursday is single de Mayo Nick DiPaolo special event uh Friday May 6th uh Terry McNeely laughs in the giggle room also on May 6th uh <clears throat> Charlie Backett and Friends on Saturday, May 7th. Stars of Tomorrow, New Talent Showcase, uh, May 13th, Friday, May 13th. Tammy Pescatelli, uh, May 13th, Friday, 13th at uh, Governor's. Now, that's why I brought up uh, One Way Street. Now, I've had friends who have had Tammy on their show, and I said, well, listen, I'm going to be on Gov's podcast in the morning. I love to promote, <coughs> man. Got the uh, throat going on here. Sang too much this weekend. Um, I'd love to promote her Friday the 13th gig. I'd love to get her on the show. I've got friends who I have hooked up with many, many cool guests. I always share. When I have a cool guest contact, I share with anybody, my fellow podcasters, who are interested. <coughs> Excuse me. Man, his throat has got some problems this morning. So I reached out to several people about getting Tammy Pescatelli on the show, Pescatelli on the show, because they've had her on their shows recently. And every one of them gave me, well, uh, I don't really have a contact. I got introduced to us and so-and-so, good luck, and blah, blah, blah. Hello, how many guests have I given you? I'm just asking for one contact. You fucking one-way street cheap motherfuckers, you. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm a nice guy to to a certain extent, but you know what? I and I don't ask for a lot of favors coming back my way. But when I do, I especially after I've gone out of my way to hook some of these guys up with some great guests, all I get is uh, you know, thanks but no thanks. Not loving that. So I'm going to have to reach out. Maybe I uh, you know, I asked Jackie has some contacts over at Govs uh, with the owner. Maybe I can get direct contacts to some of these people we get them on the show to promote their gigs at the comedy club in advance uh and work around my friends my so-called friends who are willing to ask me for a favor anytime they want but when it comes back to it i just need one contact Ugh, they leave me hanging stand up comedy uh showcase gateway comedy presents uh that's uh Sunday, no, Saturday, May 14th. Sunday Night Funnies, May 15th. Mary Lynn, I can't say her last name, Raj, <coughs> Rajka. May 18th, Ariel and Han Show, The Giggle Room, 
uh, May 18th, and Stand Up University, which is Peter Bales and, and Rich Walker, um, and that date is May 20th. And so that's pretty much what's coming up at Gov. Man, <clears throat> the voice is going to give out today. It really is. Maybe I should uh, play a spot while I cough my head off. I think I'll do that. I'm going to play it. Please hang with me really uh, briefly while I um, work on <clears throat> work on getting the uh, the voice cleared out. I'm going to do that right now. I'm just going to play um, uh, play a little music clip. What am I going to play? I'll play a kind of guy I am. Why not? Just sleeping late And I'm the kind of guy who doesn't like to wait If you can handle that, we'll get along just great Cause that's the kind of guy I am I'm not the kind of guy who likes to start a fight But I've never been accused of being too polite Cause I've got strong opinions about wrong and right That's the kind of guy I am And I'm damned if I do I'm damned if I don't That parking lot is a dangerous place. I've gotten hit by more missiles and boulders in that parking lot than I can count. Uh, it's just bad news. The voice is still a little scratchy. I guess I can't do four gigs in a row. Uh, and I, again, I sang more than I usually do from Thursday till Sunday. Um, and the voice is definitely feeling like talking. got this little tickle going on, scratch and cough and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not sick. I just... Burnt out. Vocal cords are shot. Doing too much talking. Not enough drinking. 
<laughs> this segment of Coffee with the Dog is brought to you by Southwest Airlines Rapid Rewards. Earning on every uh, flight, that's the point, not the point on my head. Join Rapid Rewards to earn points you can use for any seat, anytime. No blackout dates. Points don't expire. As a Rapid Rewards member, you can earn points by flying or spending with their partners and use them how and when you want. Plus, if you're short on points, short on points, you can always purchase more to get the reward you've been eyeing. I've been eyeing a reward. Booking a vacation without the blackout dates, that's transparency. Uh, it's time for the happy minute. Let's get to it, folks. Happy minute. Let's all get happy. Good morning. Good morning. I hate that background. Why did I do that? Okay, that's better. I like that. Nice. This background, the background on this. The creepy warehouse. Yes. Yes. How you feel this morning? You all right? I'm okay. Yeah. I think I'm affected by the weather. The sun's yeah. out. I'm happy. If it's not, they call that seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. SAD. Sad. Unsaid. Yep. I am definitely that way. I need, I, when the sun's out, I am a def, def, different person. Definitely a different person. Yeah. But we have nothing to complain about. No. Because New Mexico is on fire. Do you even know New Mexico is on fire? It's still on fire? It's still on fire. Yeah, the entire state is burning wow. up. It's actually worse now. Uh, wow. 30 to 50 mile an hour winds and new fires in the southern part of the state just burning up and they don't well, I know you don't watch the news or follow the news at all but the news isn't covering that stuff you know what they're covering they're covering Johnny Depp and a a Amber Heard and Elon mm -hmm. Musk and all the trivial bullshit that no yeah. that doesn't matter yeah yeah I I believe it that's why I don't watch it so um we have. I have a phone call coming up after the show today that is uh, ha might have a very significant impact on our future and uh, on the show and and things. Are looking up, keep your fingers crossed for that conversation because it could be could be groundbreaking, could be earth shaking, could be. I'm hoping the best news uh, I've ever gotten as far as uh, relating to this program. So um, okay. And also, I'm okay. looking to do. I'm looking to do a late night show now. How Somebody late? Said to me, How late? Midnight. Now, okay. midnight four nights a week. <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I know you probably uh, don't follow regular television either, but network television. They got the, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert and the other two, Jimmy, Jimmy, and Jimmy, have their shows. But then following those shows on. Colbert on CBS, James Gordon, you, Corden, you know him, he's this yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's walking away from that show. Oh. And, and all these comedians are like going in, oh, I should be the next host of that show. And it just occurred to me that they're all, even no matter who gets it, if a comedian gets that show, it's going to be the same crappy idea, Johnny Carson uh, idea that they right. can't get past. And like, you know, so whoever takes it, it's still going to be the same boring crap. Right, and and so I want to prove to the networks that you don't get the younger audience by doing what their grandparents uh, did. So I want to do an evening show, kind of like this, but with more interaction from the audience. Basically, if I have a cool guest on, and like say, let's say I get Dave Grohl, 
from Foo Fighters <laughs> and have yeah. him on <laughs> and be able to, I'll be able I think I can get Grohl. I really? Friend, I have a friend who got Grohl. Grohl's pretty accessible. But here, here's the thing. If I had him on and then offered it to kids in the college dorm room, say, call in right now FaceTime and you get to talk to Dave Grohl. <gasps> you think they'd love that? You bet mm-hmm. they'd love that. And live. Right. And, and, and working without a net, I think it gives it a sense of danger that kids would love. I think that's what. <laughs> is that a dog or a cat? <laughs> it's a dog. A new dog, or is it the same dog? Come here, buddy. Come here. This is Titan. Oh, he doesn't that's a, want to show That's a different face. dog from last week? Yes, this is a different dog. They're all so needy. Are you guys needy? Uh, Come here. You want to say hello? Oh, you got two of them? No, no. Just one at a time. Oh. Come on. Put the face on. We want to see the face. Titan. Get a- no, he jumped. He jumped. Come here. Come here, honey. Sit down. Let's see if I could show you Titan. What kind he's, of dog is Titan? He is a. Uh, oh, he's big. Yeah, he's a, a scary bull. one. Yep, he's a pit bull. Oh, yeah. see he's that a big pit scary bulls... guy. No, pit bulls are lovey. They're very he's lovey. lovey yeah. uh, uh, they're just protective, and they can be made mean right. uh, if you want to make them mean. But you could make a Chihuahua mean. Chihuahuas are actually the most aggressive breed out there yeah. but you just can't yeah. tell because they got a little tiny bite but, but um no he's he's good he's good he just looks scary and uh yesterday i took him for a walk with us and everybody that we passed picked their babies up they one guy hopped the fence and he was waiting wow, to walk hopped past the yeah he hopped the fence he did wow and he's friendly That's- so. That's a little uh, getting car- getting a little too carried away, running, you know, hopping the fence to get away from it. What the yeah. hell? Um, did you enjoy the gig the other night? <clears throat> um, I liked how we sounded. I was yeah. uh, proud of of that. Uh, but other than that, it sucked. <laughs> it just it, it yep. sucked. Well, there was one part of it that did, didn't suck. The ending. <laughs> oh, and getting paid. <laughs> Well, that too, but no, the guy standing, the guy doing the headstands and the handstands. That was uh, amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Now he said he was seventy-five, right? I thought he, he said he was sixty. I thought he said seventy-five. If he was seventy-five, I am way more impressed than I was. I mean, well, Jack's seventy-four, and he does that. And he he, he wrote to me yesterday. He forgot to come down. He was apologizing. I want I put it on my calendar. I'm so sorry. I forgot all about it. And, I'm uh, glad he didn't come. It was just so sad. It was such a sad gig. They first of all, I don't know if you explained this to everyone, but I didn't. They had us in the back restaurant section. The dining room. The dining room, and then. You know, there's a wall, and then inside is the bar. So everyone was in the bar. Nobody wanted to come into the dining room to dance. It was just, I mean, we should have just moved our equipment in the bar and follow the crowd. I don't think they allow that. But I do think in the summertime, it's a much better place because people are out on the deck there. But, yeah, that was very weird. There, were, You know, sometimes, you know, you see people dancing in the back. But yeah. uh, at the end of the song, it sounded like crickets and it was kind of very weird uh, experience there. But um, 
I, I brought up to Jackie about the the headstand stuff that it would have been great if he would have showed up to have this competition. <laughs> I, he does that. I, I mean, I was just I've never seen that before. I was blown away. He's a uh, Jackie's a former gymnast, and he's actually done. I when he returned to Howard Stern, that was the first thing he did. He came in and did a handstand, and oh. I was like, "Well, that's cool." But now it's seventy four. It's got to be <clears throat> really difficult, right? But, uh, and that yeah. woman, they the woman gave us uh, fifty dollars to let her friend come up and sing. And no. her friend, yeah, what fifty? Thirty? Well, I know we, we we got it. We ended up with like sixty dollars in tips, but I think she put in thirty. I think there were oh, already okay. thirty in there. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. She gave. Uh, I I was like, wow. Okay, your friend can sing, and then she had a good voice. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good, good voice. She didn't know the words or anything. <laughs> yeah, she was drunk. Yeah, no. I got drunk. No, yeah, no. It's great people and, and they made it uh very enjoyable. Yeah. But the to me the highlight was now the guy <clears throat> he was doing headstands on a chair, but then eventually he decided to go on the table and then did that split thing because he was at the ceiling <laughs> low ceiling. I begged him to do that. I sent <laughs> you the video. I said, please just come back up one more time. I didn't play the video. I did uh, share those photos to social media, and and because he's got white hair, and I thought people would assume it was Jackie. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we could say it was Jackie. Yeah. yeah. Uh so you, you got any uh, happy news for us? Or anything that that not fire related, like nothing's burning down, nothing's going to hell. And the only uh, thing that's burning is love in this article that I found. Ooh, it's a hunk of hunk of burning love. It is. It is. Wow. This is from uh, UPI.com. UPI. And, uh, UPI. An Oklahoma couple, they were wed aboard an airplane after their Vegas flight was canceled. I was going to send you the picture because the man was pretty attractive looking. But uh, an Oklahoma City couple's canceled flight on their way to elope in Las Vegas led to their holding their wedding aboard a Southwest Airlines plane. That was a mouthful. The Southwest Airlines said in a Facebook post that Pam Patterson and Jeremy, I shouldn't say their names, Jeremy Salda booked a Sunday flight to Las Vegas and decided to travel in their wedding attire to be ready for their wedding chapel appointment at 9 p.m. Talk about spontaneous. The couple arrived, let me keep going, huh? The couple arrived at Dallas Fort Worth International Airport to catch their connecting flight to Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas. But after multiple delays, they were told their flight was canceled. A fellow passenger named Chris, who was also attempting to travel, overheard them discussing their predicament, revealed he was an ordained minister and would be willing to personally preside over their wedding. Um, and they decided to get married on the airplane. On the right. plane. Yeah. What? What? Uh, well, first of all, they could have taken JetBlue in a direct flight directly to Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, that so serves them right for having to stop over. They cheaped out on the flight, so they, could, they were taking the connecting flight, which is cheaping out. They could have got a, a direct flight. Those cheap bastards, right. and and married in Las Vegas too. What the heck? Come on, you know. But I mean, the man looked a little. I think they're they're older. I think. Right. How how long do you think before they get divorced? I give it a day. <laughs> give it a day. <laughs> Listen, 
Southwest Airlines is like a uh, like a really it's like a dive bar in the sky. It uh, is. <laughs> I always fly Southwest. <laughs> it is, and yeah. and it's like the pilots want to be comedians, the the flight attendants want to be comedians or bartenders and stuff, and it's just like it really is. It's it's a dive bar in the sky. So um, the sad part of it. But did you know that anybody can marry you? If you're you, a you don't, minister, you don't, have, you don't have to be a minister. I can marry. What? You. I can Come marry on. you. I you can can't. Mar- you don't know the words. You didn't. You didn't practice. Oh, I beg to do. You know, on my wedding, we were supposed to have a minister there, but he went to the giant game, and he got <gasps> caught in traffic. And he, he he texted me. He said, "I'm stuck in traffic in New York City. I'm not going to get there in time, but I'm sending a kid, an intern from the church, this kid Danny, who had a bone in his nose. He had a bone in his nose. Uh, uh, and, and like, like he looked like a total like uh, grunge guy. From he looked like uh, like Seattle underbelly, seventeen year old kid. And he shows up to marry us." Because we got married on the beach right in the backyard here. Nice. And uh, uh, he shows up and he has no idea what to do. And I got to coach him through the whole thing. Like, is this even official? And so uh, we went through the whole wedding thing and he he married us. But he didn't he didn't know where to stand. He didn't know what to say or anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling him oh everything my. to do. Wow. And, I would have been uh, pissed. I I was a little, but you know, it's your wedding day. Who cares? It's it's a good day. Everybody be happy. And we're getting married on the beach. It's not like it's in a church or anything, and not like uh, we had a whole lot of people there. Which is the people closest to us, right? That's what matters, right? And so I was trying to be in as good mood as possible, but I was like concerned. Is this even real? Because this kid, he's a nobody. He can, he's not even a. a in training to be a minister or anything he's just some kid who was helping out in the church they wow. said so i looked it up it turns out that anybody can marry anybody in the united states of america you don't have to be an ordained minister all you have to do is get the vows and and have witnesses and all that stuff so i don't know why all people even bother going through that you know, phony Las Vegas ordained minister stuff because i can marry anybody you can marry anybody anybody can I don't want I don't think I want to marry anybody. I don't want that I don't want that responsibility. It's not your responsibility. They'll turn around and blame me if it doesn't work. I said the wrong things or you know. I don't I don't want that. So the whole idea of going to Vegas though, you don't have to go to Vegas. Right? I, I would never I don't think I'd ever get married in Vegas. It's just it's just bound. You know, Good morning, Cat. Cat says great. I have a Universal Life Church certificate that says I can marry people, but oh, you don't cool. need it. You don't need it. You can do it with your bartending license. You can, <laughs> you can do it with your learner's permit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anybody can marry anybody. Believe me, I looked this up. I verified it a hundred times because I was concerned that, uh, well, not necessarily concerned. I thought I might have an out. Look, it's not real. <gasps> <laughs> it's not wow. real. <laughs> How terrible. I know. I'm a terrible person. I am going to hell. We've already established that I'm going to hell, so it doesn't matter. I can do anything now. I'm, I've am i already punched my ticket. You don't know that. I you do. don't know that. I'm unredeemable. I'm nah, unredeemable. Nobody's I, unredeemable. Uh, uh, it's probably where I belong. I mean, it's 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 my comfort zone. I like it. I like it hot. <sighs> <laughs> I'm going with the sinners. 
Hey, I'll hang with the sinners because you know what? The non sinners, I, I'm telling I don't really like the people who never sin. <laughs> but, but who doesn't sin? That's well, I point. mean, that's what I mean because most of them are faking it. And so I'd rather Everybody, be with, everybody's with a sinner. people who are at least honest about their their faults and, and shortcomings. And I people. think that people that are honest with their, their faults and people that admit that they're sinners are the better Christians. Okay, then. That's me. I'm right. super Christian. I am <laughs> sister Christian. Uh, <clears throat> so my voice is shot uh, today because uh, I, you know, two days singing with masks on. I sang a lot with Mikey the night before and then sang quite a, a bit with you the other night. I tried to anyway. But by the end of the night, I was like, I got nothing. I was struggling to even talk. Wow. It was, it was rough. And then yesterday I had a gig with the mask on again. Again? Yeah. The, oh, they got to the, cut that out. I know. Well, I told them I'm going to have a conversation with them today. I said, if I if they don't change this rule, I'm going to have to cancel all my dates there. I mean, I love the people there. I don't do it for the money. I do it for for the people there. But right. at some point, I'm, I'm beating myself up. I'm almost passing out. No. I'm sorry. And that doesn't no, it doesn't make sense to me. No matter how good your dental hygiene is, you sing for an hour with a mask on, you're going to hate your own breath. <laughs> you're like, oh, I need some gum or something, man. I'm killing myself here. Yeah. No, I, I'd be pissed. You know, I'd cut yeah. a hole where the mouth is and just, you know. Well, that's why I kept trying to turn around and just do it quick like that just to get some air you know one of those but uh, they will they they're on you like a hawk now they watch you they never used to come in and watch you do your set now i mean they're enforcing the toe tapping they're enforcing the <laughs> are they are they really yeah. what if nobody taps their toes they tell you to get out in the middle well, of the no set? it's not that but they they uh, want to make sure you're playing upbeat music you're not playing anything depressing or sad or anything so i tried to play you've got a friend and that was that was poo pooed. You've got a friend that's too sad a song. They said that. Are you serious? Yeah, they don't want they don't want people getting depressed in the in the psych ward. But I'm like, that's kind of uplifting. You've got a friend, even though the melody could feel a little sad when you're down. And uh, but emotions you know. are are part of being human. Uh, so well, got to be happy, upbeat. I, that's that's scary. That's a yeah. scary place to be where everything's always happy and can't be sad. That's right. that's worse, I think. If they don't yeah. if not, they don't let you be sad, take this pill. Stay well, happy. That, they, they, they keep them on happy pills, definitely. That's that's scary. I wrote a song called Happy Pills. You better take your happy pills. You're really going to need them now. It was about a girl, girlfriend I had. I broke up with her. She was on antidepressants. And when I broke up with her, I basically wrote this mean song about it. You better take your happy pills. You're really going to need them now. Because uh, she was. I mean, she basically depended on me to, like, monitor her moods and stuff. And when I broke up with her, it's just like, you know what? You're on your own. You, you're somebody else's problem now. So take it. Load up on that happy pills because you're going to be walking around in a depression. Wow. Uh, I know. I could be mean. I could definitely be no, mean. No, I don't think you're mean. I don't think someone should rely on someone else yeah. for their happiness. I think that's the worst, the worst that's, thing you can do. Yeah, I agree. Nobody else is responsible for you being happy. You're responsible for you being happy. Right. Uh, all right. Well, I'll let you go on that note. Well, uh, you know what? The uh, people uh, will count on, get their names, and I want to see how long their marriage lasts. They'll be, probably be divorced by uh, Friday. 
Yeah, they'll get divorced on the plane, too, on the way back. Tell them to write into the Mind Dog Show and let us know how it goes. All right. All right. See you later. Um, What do you think? You think those people stand a chance on, on staying married? I don't. I think that's doomed. First of all, you're going to Vegas to get married. Come on. If you go to Vegas to get married, chances are you're not really serious about it. You're, go- you're going for a vacation. You're going to have a lot of fun. But, as, you know, as soon as the vacation's over, you look across the room and you say, ooh, what did I do? I think I might have made a mistake. Anyway, uh, waiting on <clears> – <throat> who the hell are we waiting on? <laughs> Brian Moreno, a comedian from Los Angeles, California, will be joining us shortly, hopefully, uh, as long as uh, he's awake and and kind of, I think he's awake and still remembers uh, about the show. I think I talked to him yesterday about it and reminded him about it. If my friend Tom Kanapka is listening, uh, just uh, kind of um, an amusing a little thing. Our friend, the, my guest on that you, we had so much fun uh, going back and forth talking about when he was on. He wants to be my co-host of the late night show. For for those of you who are joining late, uh, I should probably review. The James Corden leaving the the late, late show. Again, I'm not, I'm no television person, and you folks know that. I, I don't know fuck about television. But I know this. Uh, James Corden, uh, is that his name? Corden or Gordon, whatever his name is. He, uh, he announced he's leaving the Late Late Show, which follows the Late Show with Stephen Colbert on CBS. And immediately, every comedian I know on Twitter was claiming dibs on that show. Uh, they want to be the host of that. Even some people I have a, a lot of respect for and think they would probably do better than most of those idiots that have those kind of shows. They're claiming that spot. And I just, uh, I was like, ah, Drek. Because I think, I'm, I don't think, I know, the format is so fucking played it's so fucking old. It's so 20th century. Everybody is still trying to be Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson's dead. He was your grandparents' entertainment. Like, my my generation definitely were fans of Johnny Carson. But he's been dead for quite a long time. And everybody that's come after him has tried to be him. Done. That's done. And so, <clears throat> that especially that... 1230 slot is not meant for old people. People who work for a living, people who uh, have lives, get up and go to work every day, they're not staying up. I mean, of course, now you can, <coughs> excuse me, DVR anything and all that stuff. But um, that show, that time slot, it's not for old people. It's for young people. It's for college kids. It's for dorms. Kids in the dorms. And so all those comedians who want to take that spot 
doesn't matter. As long as they don't change the format, it's going to be crap. It's going to be the same old dreck. It's going to be the same old dipshit trying to do a poor man's imitation of Johnny Carson. It's time to think out of the box. It's time to do something completely different with a late-night time slot. I got to thinking, I was like, well, I remember when Conan took over the late, that spot, when, when Letterman was moving to the 11.30 spot on CBS, and Conan took it over, and nobody knew who Conan was. I mean, he was a writer on SNL, with, and no stand-up experience whatsoever. I think, well, this is going to bomb this guy. He did fairly well with it and tried to kind of make that his own, but still <clears throat> a Johnny Carson wannabe or Dave Letterman wannabe. Like Dave Letterman was a Johnny Carson wannabe. So they were still following the same format. So I got to thinking, I want to do a late night show. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be on network television. I'm going to be on the internet. <clears throat> no reason it couldn't be on network television no the same kind of concept because i think working without a net making it live inviting making it inviting for young people who never want something that they never know what's going to happen they want to be they want to feel a little bit of danger when you're a kid in a dorm room believe me i know this tom i brought this up earlier tom schneider uh when he did the tomorrow show I remember sitting in a dorm room and watching him argue with Johnny Rotten. Wow, that's compelling television. Sitting there smoking cigarettes and getting into shit with, and it was embarrassing in some ways for, because Tom Snyder was like me, a, a goofy old man to young people. Uh, gotta gotta keep drinking. Worn out the voice, folks. Really have. Um, but so it was dangerous in a way i mean i remember when he had uh wendy williams the plasmatics on and she she destroyed a television with a chainsaw watching that in my college dorm room i was like that's different kind of television there weren't old people watching even though tom snyder was a host and he was old like me yeah it had a sense of danger that's what kids in, in dorm rooms want so i think i can bring that to a Late night show. So I'm planning on doing that. Plan on doing a midnight to 1 a.m. Eastern show. Plus, when I do it later, I think I'll be able to get more West Coast comedians or, or comedians from Western time zones, west of uh, the Eastern time zone, get uh, have more access to those people. And even rock stars and people like that. I think I can get a better... Uh, more interesting guests in a later night spot than certainly than it is uh it's a struggle to get people on in the morning especially like right now it's uh 7 a.m on the west coast it looks like uh brian might have blown me off too i don't think he's uh he, he might still be sleeping <laughs> um it doesn't seem like he, he's 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 up to uh, snuff with the, the time, though, because he's supposed to be here now. It would suck if he doesn't show up. Because that would mean I have a whole uh, other hour. I'm, and by the way, we'll be leaving Govs uh, at uh, 10.45, 45 minutes from now in order to prepare for the Knock'em Dead comedy show, which starts at 11 a.m. 
on Guff's comedy podcast. Now, I'm going to have to work on that because it shouldn't take uh, 15 minutes to pull the switch, switch over to another show. Really could happen in five minutes. And I don't know who Tony has on there for a guest today. I'll sort of find out that. So I help promo that. <clears throat> but you can check that out at 11 a.m. Mike Chavola says, funny story, my anniversary is Friday, 33 years ago. We got married in Knights of Columbus, which is now a chappy funeral. <coughs> Pardon me with the coughing, folks. Um, anyway, uh, that that's an interesting story. Happy anniversary, Friday, 33 years ago. What's that? May 6th. Uh, almost Cinco de Mayo. Ha- happy anniversary, Mike. 33 years. Nice nice going. I don't think the couple that went to Vegas and got married on the plane are going to last 33 years. I di- Well, they're older anyway, so let's face it. Who has 33 years left? I doubt they'll make 33 days. Uh, and I don't want to change. Hey, listen, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But going to Vegas to get married is not for people who are really looking for a lifelong commitment to and dedication to each other. It's like people who, hey, it should be fun. You know, looking for fun. And if you're always looking for fun, if you're still just looking for that wild time, you're not ready to settle down and be married. Listen, to I'm a guy who knows about this, who've made... The decision, uh, without really thinking about it, or about who I am uh, and what what's really important to me. I got married definitely the first time. I was way too young and immature to be married, and even the second time I was forty eight years old when I got married the second time. I'm still very immature, uh, forty eight year old. Uh, I just came off of a when I met my wife. Uh, I had just come off a relationship with a girl who was 20 years younger than me. And it's kind of the Johnny Johnny Depp thing. For older guys, middle-aged guys, hot young girls can be very attractive. Pretty, pretty eyes and a pretty smile can make it all seem worthwhile. But when the shine begins to wear off, yeah, how do, how do you keep it going then? And so... <clears throat> Middle-aged guys, and I know it happens a lot, middle-aged guys end up with women who are uh, significantly younger than them. It's hard. It's hard to keep that working because guys get old pretty quick. Once they get into a relationship, and once the the knot is tied, yeah, the couch becomes a place to be and sit there and watch television and get fat and fall asleep and all that stuff. But <clears throat> Mike said, Mike's got it right. Yeah, Vegas marriages are just another gamble. That's absolutely true. It's 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 just another party. It's just another wild weekend. It's not the act of people who are ready to settle down. It doesn't look like Brian's going to actually show up today. I'm kind of disappointed in us this. Uh, kind of excited to talk to him today. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take another moment and see if I can contact him and uh, see if we can make this happen. 
So I'm going to play another short video. I hope you'll stick with me while I play this uh, short video so I can see if we can make this actually happen. Let's see what we'll have, what we'll play here. How about I play, um, oh, I don't know. How about Church on Sunday? Do I have Church on Sunday? Yeah, I do that. Let's do that. Uh, 
that was Freeport, Long Island, New York, and um, where we kind of cut our teeth in, uh, as the Rockin' 45s. We used to play, we started out there playing the same place every Friday and Saturday night, uh, every week. And then it eventually went from Thursday to Sunday, four nights a week, every week. And then, uh, so those people you see in that crowd there, those people came to see us. <coughs> Four times a week for seven years. Every they were those same people filled up the room. <laughs> Sometimes they would uh, fill up the sidewalks and the streets, uh, and, and but the crazy people. Uh, that song "Church on Sunday" got us banned from Our Lady of Assumption Church. We used to play the festival every summer. And for some reason, uh, about 15 years ago now, we uh, were playing the church, and I don't know why, we decided to play the Beatles, Ballad of John and Yoko, uh, Christ, you know it ain't easy. <laughs> you know how hard it could be, the way things are going, they're going to crucify me. The priest uh, was looking at me with an angry scorn as we sung those lyrics. Of course, you can understand, Catholic priest not digging me uh in Christ, you know it ain't easy the way things are going. They're going to crucify me. Um, but his scorn just made me more defiant. And so that next song I called was Church on Sunday, that one, and Raise Hell. And we had, you know, we're on the back of a church and we have thousands of people there. I mean, it's a, a festival, an Italian feast and a church feast. Thousands of locals there. And a good 500 of them were raised fists in the air yelling raise hell on the back of a church um did not go over well <laughs> so we were banned from the church for 10 years until that priest who was in charge died and then we finally got the gig back and then the church burnt down so we're hoping to get back there this summer in august uh be back at the church maybe we'll play church on sunday again anyway uh freeport was was the main thing and um we've been away from people we got we cut our teeth there we d developed our following there and we ruined the place because we were there so often and we were loud and we were uh punky in a lot of ways very punk sounding uh very punk punk rock energy to the man and we uh, got ourselves in a lot of trouble with the neighbors. We could, we would overstay the curfew. There's an 11 p.m. curfew there on those nights. And we would often play till 1130, till the cops came to say, enough is enough, you have to shut down. And we did that every night. And it got, you know, it's, it's a <clears throat> residential area, even though the Nautical Mile is all restaurants and stuff, but it's right across the canal from houses and stuff. Those people didn't like that. So eventually, they got it fed up enough that they went to the town and initiated. <laughs> Fucking sometimes <clears throat> beyond the, the throat going on, I brain farts, and I and I'm trying to remember words. They they initiated um, a decibel meter where local cops would come around with a decibel meter, and if you were over 86.5 decibels, you get a fine, and a pretty hefty fine. You get The band would get fined, and the club would get fined. So we 
kind of worked with that and would have spotters out waiting for cops to come down. But it got to be so intrusive and to the point where you'd be in the middle of a song and we'd almost bring it down to a whisper. 86.5 decibels, just to give you an idea. And you can get a decibel meter uh, app on your phone to check this out. You could talk at the level I'm talking right now and be over 85, 86 decibels and be breaking, technically be breaking the law at this level. So you can imagine a full rock band blaring out as loud as can be. And then you have to come down to this level and, and on a song. Really difficult to do. And wait for the cops to pass and then you can get loud again. But it got just so old. So we left a mile. Kiara and I will be back in the mile this Saturday, uh, 2 to 6 p.m., an outdoor show on, not necessarily on the same uh, canal. We're on Main Street, but it's it's on the water over there. Uh, and it's part of, we're at Villa Los Tapas in Freeport, New York, this Saturday, 2 to 6. It's part of the Margaritas, uh, Margaritaville, is Mar- no, Margaritas national chain of restaurants villa los tapas and this is uh, a friend of ours a band is playing there that evening villa los tapas is the place where what well, people waiting for a table at margaritas go to hang out while they sit and wait for their table so it's an outdoor deck and kiera and i will be performing acoustic music there, two to six. If you're in Freeport, New York, or in Long Island, uh, come out and see us and spend some time with us this Saturday. Doesn't look like Brian Marino's going to show up. Uh, Just checked, and he hasn't checked his messages. And uh, he booked his date, probably forgot all about it. Uh, It's very sad. We're off to a flying start with the governor's uh, debut here. Unfortunately, first show and the guest doesn't show up. I don't think the rest of the week will go this way. I think the rest of the week is looking, uh, everybody else is really has gotten back to me and is really excited about coming on. But Brian is hooking us up. I feel like I should at least introduce you to who was supposed to be on the show. So let me see if I can show you a little bit about Brian and at least make it. Uh, so you know who who was supposed to be here. <laughs> uh, here you go. <clears throat> now, this is Brian's website, Brian Moreno. He's a SAG after actor director. How about that? Dreamland uh, Storming Area 51 story uh, is uh, what his latest film is. Brian Moreno is an L.A. comedian, director, actor, and writer that got his start at the House of Blues on Sunset as an MC and their in-house comedian. He started the House of Blues comedy, which has become one of the hottest shows in L.A. until the House of Blues shut down. From there, uh, the Hollywood Improv Improv brought him in and uh, taught him the ropes. We've never seen Brian perform. He's one of kind uh, with great energy, smart sense of humor, a wild perspective on life, and some of the craziest stories you've ever heard. He's a must-see. Brian has multiple viral videos, most popular being a true comedian and aliens in comedy, where he matched HBO uh, and History Channel quality, getting himself... uh, and these videos into multiple festivals. After that, he decided to put down a short film and make a jump into a feature film. His latest project is, I mentioned, Dreamland, a storming Area 51 story. Uh, but the most important thing you need to know is he's not here today. He's sleeping. Uh, 
sleeping away. And you can't blame him. I mean, it's 7 a.m. where he is. So, hey, I would probably be sleeping too. That That's who was supposed to be here. <coughs> Unfortunately, he's not going to show up. So I guess I'll open the phone lines if you want, if anybody's interested in calling in. I want to talk about anything uh, you want. And phone number is 631-496-6464. If you're so inclined, uh, if not, don't worry about it. I'll I'll hang without you. I'll I'll keep it together. Uh, Kiara is due back uh, in about 10 minutes or so, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. And then at 1045, we're going to be saying goodbye to the Gov people. I hope you will check out Knock 'em Dead Comedy, which follows this program on Gov's Comedy. Uh, let me just see who, who we got for you tomorrow. And no, we do have people who are going to be showing up the rest of the week. Uh, Jack Schwartz. Uh, you don't know Jack Schwartz. Uh, he'll be with me tomorrow. Now, Wednesday, Jackie Martling will be back with me, and we'll be talking about some of the stuff he's got. He's He'll be in Florida this weekend. Uh, but we'll also be talking about um, had the gig this weekend at uh, Brokerage and how that went and why he didn't show up for us. Interesting enough, I had uh, Annie Larson, who is a psychic astrologer, booked for Wednesday night on the Mind Dog TV podcast. And I sent her the link yesterday. As I do, every Sunday I, I send the links out for the guests for that week to show up. And then she got back to me. She said, um, I never confirmed that she was going to be on. And so she she has something else going on. She's going to have to reschedule, which is interesting. <laughs> on the, on the, it's interesting to me on the level because as some of you may be aware, this guy who's got this Netflix special is Tyler Hunter. I think that's his name. Got me all. Uh, he, he, he tweaked my cynical bone as far as psychics. And, and so I'm, I'm at the point where I'm going to be testing. or I'm going to be a little bit testy of psychics and, and want to see them bring the goods. And he made a prediction about me last time she was on the program, which I want to talk to her about. But the fact is, she said, I didn't confirm. So she booked something else. Well, you know, uh, you can. I think you can guess where I'm going with this. If you're a psychic, shouldn't have you known, even if you didn't get the email, shouldn't have you known it, it was confirmed psychically. Shouldn't have you picked up on the vibe. Shouldn't you? I mean, we we corresponded through email. She picked the date. We booked it. I did send her a confirmation. Maybe she didn't get the email. Psychic. Do you really need the email confirmation? You know if I should know if I'm saying yes, right? Am I being too much of a smartass about that? Perhaps. But come on. And then no follow up. No, I don't want to be too hard on her because she's going to reschedule. We'll hopefully have a civil conversation about this. But being in the cynical mood that I'm in because this fucking guy who's got this Netflix special I think is just taking advantage of people. I'm more likely to be saying damn it psychic how what do you need a confirmation for? 
What do you need a written confirmation for? It's, it's right here. You can feel it. She should know I'm talking about her right now and, and call in 631-496-6464. Any psychics out there, <clears throat> pick up on my vibe. Pick up on my vibe, psychics. Call in. Any of you. Any of the ones I've had on this program, they should know that I'm I'm asking for them to call in right now and, and prove their psychic ability. Right? Hello, psychics. <laughs> Phone's not ringing. Where are you? I'll wait. Not calling in. You see where I'm going here with this. I'm not, I'm kind of, and I do. I am still getting requests for psychics to be on the program, but I want them all to be on notice. Want to want them all to be on notice that it's not going to be just a cakewalk. I'm not just going to roll over and say, "Oh, that's beautiful. I love your." Um, I love your intuition and you're you're right on. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put you to some test. I want to know. I want to know. Are you are you really worth your salt, or are you just bullshitting people and taking their money? Um. So it's not whoever any of the psychics that come on. They're going to have to kind of hold their feet to the fire a little bit on this stuff. And so there's that. Anyway, um, what's going on here? I'm just looking at what's uh, trending now again on Twitter. I'm just looking to see what's what's trending. The White House Correspondents' Dinner trending. Uh, it, uh, the politics of it and all that stuff. Brett Erickson <clears throat> brought up a great point about the, you know, journalists mixing, and it doesn't matter if your party is in the White House or not, it doesn't matter. Whichever fucking cult you belong to, uh, Democrat or Republican, a journalist's job really is to hold those people accountable and really, really not be friends with them. They should be adversaries. In a perfect world, in a democracy in America, the press's job is to not be friends with the people in power. It is to always be looking to expose, always looking to shine a light on everything, always holding those people in power accountable. So when you see journalists cozying up, cozying up to the administration, whether, again, Biden, Trump, doesn't matter, you know, or anybody, Obama, Bush, you can go back. <clears throat> that cozy relationship puts that intended purpose of, of those journalists, the White House correspondents, in jeopardy. How can you be holding their feet to the fire when you're friends? You don't want to be friends. You don't want I'm not even going to name. You don't want Trevor Noah being friends with Joe Biden. You don't want that. And I, you know, Trevor Noah. I will. Uh, I'm not a fan of him anyway, but I, he's he was the guy who hosted the whole thing, right? You don't want the people who are supposedly 
covering these people to be friends with them. You want them to be adversaries. You want them to look at each other and say, "Uh oh, he, he look who's coming, run the other way." <laughs> uh, but that's not the case. When you become friends with somebody, it's really hard to hold them accountable. So there's that. Uh, that's trending. And so Brett brought up that point, and he right spot on. I mean, you really. You don't want that relationship. And so it's all bullshit at some point. Uh, and so people making a big deal of how that's coveted. The fact that it exists at all is not good. Just not good. Uh, what else is trending? George Collin is trending. George Collin trends, for a guy who's dead, he trends an awful lot. And I don't know why that is. I mean, people bring up his quotes a lot and all, all, all that stuff, but he's always uh, on Twitter. At least once a week, you see Carlin trending. Staying power, man. He's still kind of the gold standard in comedy for a lot of people. I think that probably will endure. Um, lasting legacy there. Good for him. He deserved it. He built it. He deserved it. Um, so... Anyway, that's where we are today. Any thoughts on this? Phone lines are open, 631-496-6464. We're still not on Roku. Still having difficulty setting that up. Um, Because they want want 24-7. If you wanted live stream on Roku, they expect you to be on there 24-7. And there's no way somebody like me could do, tw- I mean, even <clears throat> replaying old content, be doing 24-7 stuff. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Unless they lighten up on those rules, maybe the whole Roku thing will, will and Amazon Fire Stick, same thing, uh, will have to go to the wayside for now until we can get around this uh, 24-7 um, issue with that so um so that's that that's that i really um can you believe i'm out of stuff to talk about because my guest doesn't come up so i'm just gonna keep rambling here and see what else is tra- uh trending and talk about that what's the rock's birthday do you care about that dwayne the rock johnson happy birthday how old is this guy how old is the rock uh let me see uh uh, doesn't say how old he is. Maybe I Google it. Dwayne The Rock. The Rock is uh, fifty years, fifty years old today. Okay, Not, great shape for a fifty-year-old, right? Uh, man, phenomenal shape for fifty. Again, the guy who was doing now, he told the guy doing the headstand told Kiera. He was 60. He was definitely older than 60. He was older than me. But he told me he was 75. Now, why would somebody say two different things like that to two different people who knew we were going to talk to each other? It's fucking weird. People are weird. But, yeah, even 60, to be able to do handstands like that. I don't know if you've seen the handstands. Maybe I should show you folks. Uh, Can I share a video file with this? Let's see. Let's see. Can I share this? Uh, is it on the desktop? Where is it? Oops. Um, 
Yeah, here we go. This could be. I should. <laughs> That's a woman who was singing with us. Chair after the guy. I think he looks older than 60. I mean, I'm 63. This guy definitely looks older than me. <laughs> I think the, the ceiling was too low for him there. Obviously, I'm doing Greek Caroline. Anyway, uh, you could see the room Kiera was talking about there, that dining room, which is separate from the bar room, which is kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, so he told her she was he was 60, told me he was 75. Somewhere in between those two is probably the truth. He's probably 68. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Kiera is back with us now. Uh doesn't look like uh, Brian's going to show up at all. So let's just get to the happy minute. I got stood up by a comedian today. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, I feel jilted. I feel hurt. I feel sad. I was actually excited about talking to him because the guy's got a pretty decent resume. Uh, seemed like an interesting guy, but wasn't meant to be uh i think he hasn't checked his messages in weeks he he booked you know as all these guys they picked the dates but i think he right. just forgot about it and, uh, i don't think it was a rude thing also it's 7 a.m there he might have just overslept <laughs> yeah happen. i have yeah. a hard time waking up at eight eight it doesn't happen yeah yeah well, I have 15 minutes before I have to cut us off from from uh, Govs. Maybe I'll end the show right at that time then and won't go any further than that because uh, I was expecting to have a comedian to talk to for at least till 1130 or so, but I'm not going to do that now. So I miss you while you were gone. Oh, yeah. no, you didn't. You just, I, you just had I, nobody I, I to just, talk to. Right, right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, after you left... Um, Mike Shavola, uh he said uh, he was married 30, Friday is his 33rd anniversary, this coming Friday. He got married wow. in the Knights of Columbus, which is now a funeral home, Jack. <gasps> oh, my God. Is that that's an omen? No. Or no. I don't, that's bad. But congratulations for him. 33 years married to yes. the same person. Yes, Very congratulations. Very these days. I don't, Hard to do. Yeah. Hard to do. I could think, probably count the marriages that have lasted that long on one hand that I know of. Uh, really? Yeah, I don't Everybody got divorced at least once. Well, not Mike, but everybody else. <laughs> everybody else I can think of. Let me see. I think I, one, my best friend died at 54, so he was married about 31 years when he died. Wow. Um I have another friend who's married uh, probably about 33 years or so. But most people I know, no, they, uh, they're on second or third. or f I know people have been married five times. Yeah. I, I mean, after the third, it's like, why even bother? Exactly. You 
Uh. Well, here's a, my thing that I bring up with it because I've had a lot of relationship coaches and people like that on on the evening program, and I always bring up is monogamy really lifelong monogamy? Is that part of the human experience moving forward, or, or have we outgrown that as human beings, or we just figure out that everybody's gonna cheat anyway? <laughs> I know. I, I I believe in it. I believe in it. It's just hard. You have it's to work at it. It's not easy. Part of the problem is people get married young for the wrong reasons, and then uh, you know they end up miserable. And should you have to stay married? Ding 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 ding. You made a mistake. Yeah, me too. Should you yeah. have to? Should you have to pay for that mistake for the rest of your life? In the old days, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an old person talking. In the, what, the old days. People would do it. Even they'd realize that they made a mistake, but they were going to stick it out anyway because that's what you did. I think it was better for the children that way. I think if you can do it, you know. I don't think I would argue with that. I think you're right about that, but I also think that I you think really that can't live for your children. You got to live I, for your. Children. I know, I know, but I also think that. Um, the grass is always greener and then you get there and it's the same shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that I can tell you that even I wasn't right, married. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't married when the Rocky 45s got together, but I was living with uh, a woman. Mm. She was older than me. And uh, uh, I actually bought her a house, a million dollar house. And uh, what? Yeah, uh, here's a, a good story. I, there's always a story with me, you know. Um, right. So she was five years older than me, and I, I was turning, when, when the Rockin' 45s were starting, I was turning 40, and we oh. were out playing, and uh, she wouldn't come to the gigs. And there was a young girl in her 20s who would sit in front of me and make goo goo eyes at me and sing my songs to me. We would do a lot of original songs, and she would learn my songs and look me in the eyes and sing my songs back at me all, all night. And so that's intoxicating. Oh, and yeah. A groupie, I want to say groupie, uh, it's not unfair to categorize her that, but uh, a young, pretty girl. Right. She was engaged to a guy mm. who was my age, who was uh, a biker, big, big dude. Mm. And uh, she was engaged to him, but uh, she was in, she had a serious crush on me, and obviously she could she wasn't hiding it well. So I, the guy would be in the back hanging out with his biker buddies, and she'd be up flirting with me hard. Wow! And then one night uh, she kissed me. He, he was in the back of the room. She, he, she kissed me, and and it wasn't just a little peck on the cheek type of <gasps> thing. It was like there's something there, and so. I started going home thinking about this relationship I was in. I wasn't happy with the girl. Was you know we had nothing. We had nothing other than uh, I had given up basically and settled down and bought this house and just resigned. And then was uh, thinking I was just done living. I was at forty. I was like giving up. And then I was like you know I'm still too. I'm too young to just give up. And she wants to be old, and I don't want to be old. I want to be out playing rock and roll with the band and all this stuff. And I got this young girl. And so I left and I gave her the, ha- I, the house. I signed the house over to a million dollar house. Walked away. What? Here you go. Wow. Just because it was my guilt thing be- about being an old man doing what a typical pig old man would do is trade him for a hot young girl. Yep. yep. 
and, and I know I was guilty about it. And I how'd that, that work guilt, out? It didn't work out. Uh, so I gave up this million dollar house in Santa Mauritius, this fucking mm. beautiful house, and I moved into an apartment in Island Park <gasps> with this girl. And in Island Park, I don't know if you've ever been to Island Park, but the houses are so close together and really small apartments. And like the house next door would flush the toilet and you could hear from inside your living room. I mean, that's how close these houses were. No parking on the street. Here I am, a, a uh, Suffolk County country boy now in basically what is the city island park and we had a uh, smokestack incinerated that went off at two o'clock in the morning right outside my window <laughs> like this is not me man i was miserable so we lasted six months and broke up and mm-hmm. um yeah you know and basically uh, thank god she thought she was pregnant at one point and then realized she wasn't pregnant and, and then one when, when that happened the relationship fell apart pretty quickly because it was a it was and thank God she wasn't pregnant. God, that would have been <laughs> that would have been the end of me. But so yeah, so I made that mistake. Mm. And so, you know, it's it's part of. Um, so what was the conclusion? Uh, I kind of missed what we were saying. We were saying, what do we say? Monogamy. I, I was I was oh, talking yeah. about whether it's really part of. <laughs> Look, I think that if you if you can work it out. Work it out because it's the same shit, just different person. And uh, most of the time, I mean, in my situation, it, it yeah, had my to situation, end. I, if I would have stayed in that relationship, I would have fucking killed myself. There's no doubt about it. I was miserable. I wasn't into her. And, and I don't think I was ever like into her, into her. Yeah. And, uh, but you weren't married. Right, you weren't married to her, and you yeah, weren't in No, we weren't. No, we weren't. So that's different, I think. But if you if you serious enough to commit and make the vows, then you should be serious enough to try and apply yourself to fixing your relationship, as long as there's no abuse, because that's where I draw the line. Like in my case, physical, mental, you got to leave. You got to walk away. Yeah. Well, I, I admit that in my first marriage, I was abusive, not physically. But, um, and not intentionally. I wasn't abusive to be a bad guy. I wasn't uh, intentionally being mean. I was loud and demonstrative and scary because that's what my father taught me to be. And I'm not blaming Mm. him, but that's the way I was brought up. So, and I didn't even realize that people were afraid of me when my temper would explode. I, you know, it wasn't even something I would, uh, I was conscious of until after I, the marriage was over. That I thought, wow, man, uh, I could see the living. Uh, I was a total asshole. No, wow. Nobody wanted to be around with me. But when I got mad, like punching walls, punching, uh, right. punching refrigerators, <laughs> punching car windows, all sorts of stuff like that, constantly being angry. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've all been there, right? We have to try and figure out a way to not be our parents. Um, you know, Mom, I love you, but she was a screamer and just a really terrible person to be around. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like sometimes I'm I'm her at my children and at my partner and at everybody else. And I yeah. think when you realize when you realize uh, you're becoming your parents and you can shine light on it that's when you can change so working right. on that now working on that right now constantly life is a, a constant um 
learning uh, learning process and, and yep. evolution of who we are and, and trying to become better people. But so and so, but I brought that up because you were talking about trying to work it out. I think there's so many things that go into that. But if yeah. I, I if we had stuck it out just for the purpose of stuck it out, I don't think I would have grown. I don't think I would have become a better person. And she would have been stuck to a life with an asshole that I was. <laughs> right. She would have been right. pinned to me for life. And who I wouldn't wish that on her. I'm glad. Cause she's got a great life uh, other than, I don't know. I, it's hard to judge somebody else's life. But I think her life had turned out better without me than it would have been. Uh, if she would have stayed with me. Don't be so hard on yourself. Come on. No, I'm not being hard on myself. I'm just saying for her, it would have been unfair for her. Because I know I've gone through some major evolution. I, maybe now I'd be a decent husband. I don't know if I would or not. But the point is, uh, it would have been unfair to hold her to the mistakes she made at 19. when We, we were 19 when we got married. Uh, wow. It would have been unfair to to curse her for a whole life of that. She's in her 50s now, and that would have been terrible to put her through that for a whole 35, 36 years, whatever it will put down, 37 mm, years, mm. 37. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you both don't want to, if you both don't want to make it work, then it can't, you know? Yeah. It's like if one person's in a bad spot and it just, I don't know. It's, it's relationships are so hard. This is, this is why I want to live on a mountain with animals and my kids alone. Sorry, Matt. I like Matt, but so you know. uh, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you how, how my marriage broke up. Yeah. <laughs> playing okay. a gig, playing a gig. It was my sixth anniversary, and she was going to going to visit her mother in Virginia, and I was playing a gig instead of going with her. And Bill Lawrence, who was a, uh, a guitar string guy and pickup guy he came up to sit in with the band mm. and uh he uh we played a song I, I have to get a say goodbye to govs in two minutes so i'm gonna try and make this really quick uh so he he was a guy kind of a famous guy he came in to sit with the man he, he had a thick german accent he looked like uh he looked like colonel sanders but what a really thick hitler his German accent, and he wanted to sing a blues song. He played Little Red Rooster, Jimmy Anderson. What well, if you see my little red rooster? Won't you believe that it all the way? And played a blue a blues song like that. And when we got done, he turned to me and he got like he was proud of himself. And he goes to me, he said, "You gotta eat a lot of black pussy to play like that, boy." And I I, I oh. broke up. I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> So my wife was leaving. She was going to Virginia. I kissed her goodbye. She went there. And uh, I told her the story, and she didn't think it was funny. But when I called her, she's away. She's visiting her mother. And I got her on the phone, and uh, we were talking, just talking stuff. And I just kind of broke out. I said, hey, Laura, you got to eat a lot of black pussy to play like that, girl. And she said to me, Matt, you're on speakerphone. I'm in the church. Oh. <gasps> Her mother was there, and the whole congregation on the chair in the church. And I'm saying, you got to eat a lot of black pussy. Oh my like, gosh! That's how she wasn't happy, and that was what. Uh, <laughs> so that yeah. was the breaking point. Yeah, that was the breaking point. Like you, you, you're still a kid, and I'm ready to be an adult. Type of thing. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the whole church, whole Catholic church. Anyway, uh, not Catholic Church. I forget what they were. 
Presbyterian or whatever, some weird denomination. Wait, before and, we leave, I feel terrible for calling my mom terrible. Mom, you're not terrible. Yeah. But it, 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 was, it was hard growing up. We're not leaving anyway. We're just getting off of Govs. Oh, okay. We're saying, we're, we're saying goodbye to Govs. I have Bye, to... Govness. Bye, Govs. It's time for Hello, you to get Gov-ness. ready for the Knock 'em Dead comedy show. Tony Walker coming up in 15 minutes. We're, we're leaving Govs right now. Thank you, Governors. Oh, that's the alarm that I had set for that. There you go. There. So we're off? Yeah, we're off there. We're off. Goodness. Oh. We're Now we're on uh, Patreon and YouTube for the Mind Dog channel. Okay. So hang I didn't want to leave it like, you know, I didn't want to leave no. it like that. Your mother's fine. Your mother's a beautiful woman. <laughs> she's, a, she's a great woman. She raised a good daughter. Ah, uh, uh, thanks. We all yes. make mistakes and we all don't, we don't know what we're doing, you know? Right. So. so did you got, you have another happy story for us? Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> I forgot all about why you're here. Me too. Um, yeah, I got I got some happiness. It just pisses me off hearing this stuff. But uh, this is from Fox News. Um, police officers hand out cash to help pay for families' groceries in California, which is good. Okay, let me get a little into it. Um, the Oceanside Police Department in Oceanside, California, was given $20,000 donation earlier this year, which the department will use throughout the year for its Random Acts of Kindness project. Last week, the Oceanside Police Department posted on Facebook about their April effort. Grocery costs have skyrocketed, and Oceanside police officers are heading out to stores to help people overcome food insecurity by giving random people $100 each. Hmm. Well, that is good. That's happy news, and and that's great stuff. And I... (sighs) It, I'm it, just pissed. I'm just pissed that, you know. What? What do you That for? it costs everyone $400 to eat, you know. Yeah. Uh, the prices of stuff are insane right now. It's, it's, it's as crazy as, as it's ever been. I got into a bit of an argument with somebody on Twitter yesterday because she's talking about uh, people who have money and, and she, she had this attitude because she struggles. Uh, to make get food money and and medication money and all stuff, she's got some some health issues, and she struggles with that. But she it's jaded her to the point where she thinks anybody who isn't struggling for food or medication or whatever or, or just struggling to get bills that they're not good people. That the only good people are people who are destitute and broke. I and believe like, that. I, I don't because I'm on, I, I'm on her side a little bit. Really. I, yeah, if you I, if you volunteer in soup kitchens and places like because I've done a life uh, and I don't I don't say this to be a virtual signaling and all this stuff, I've I've spent a lot of time volunteering and, and this kind of stuff and worked alongside people who are very wealthy, who are working soup kitchens alongside with me and they they're dedicated really trying to help out really trying to serve people and give back mm. in the best way they can. And this is what got me thinking about this. When you said give them $100, there's this whole school of thought where if I give them money, they're just going to spend it on drugs and waste it on stupid stuff anyway. They're not right. really going to get food. Right. I don't know if that's always the case, but that's always the attitude that, uh, or often the attitude that people will have. And I, I think sometimes you have to look beyond that and you have to, it's better to feed them, but you know, you get into this whole Christian philosophy. You feed a man for a day, or give him a fish. You feed him for a day. You teach him to fish. I've offered people 
who are destitute, a hand up, offer them. We've had plenty of homeless people come live with us four times now. We've had homeless people in the house, uh, giving them, we'll give you a room, wow. help you get on your feet. Right. That's they nice. Always, they've always ended up robbing us. And the cops who came, wow. the cops who came last time, they were so, because it was a difficult time to get these people out of the house. They were, until she threatened my wife. <gasps> she actually threatened my wife. She First she robbed her, and then she threatened her. And I, I said, well, that's enough. You got to get out. And they, you know, they know the system, and they know the eviction system and all this. Wow. So I, so I had to go ballistic. I had to go take the husband. Uh, the boyfriend, they were uh, a couple that were living in there, and basically, uh, kind of threatened to kill him. Like, basically, uh, it's either now or never. You're getting out. You're right. gonna die. You're gonna die right now, or you, or you're gonna leave the house. So they left, but they came back with the cop, and the cop said, "Where's their room?" And they don't have a room. Uh, don't bullshit me. And he forced his way in the house. And I was like, oh. what? So the cop, cop's taking their side. And the cop was angry at me. Like, he's, he's, you know, taking their side. I was like, you don't understand these fucking people. They, we gave them a hand up. I bought them dinner. I took them out. I, I bought them clothes. I, I got, a, you know, offered them a job. Wow. You know, they end up robbing us. I mean, basically breaking into a, a room that had a lock on it and stealing a change jar that had several hundred dollars of change in it. Wow. Uh, but the cops taking this side now. He's angry with me, and and trying to start a fight with me over over this stuff. When the finally got evicted, and I said, yeah, "What's your problem, dude?" I was like, I, "I'm the guy who pays your taxes uh, and supports you. I'm totally pro cop. I support cops all the time. You tell you're acting like I'm the criminal." Meanwhile, he said. They're homeless for a reason. These people are homeless for a reason. Uh, you can't take them into your home. This is going to happen every time. And so he was angry at us for taking them in. But uh, I don't want to be jaded like that either. I always want to think to look at things with an open heart. And if people can right. be helped, be helped. We've been burned four times. Now, that said, my wife also, even after being burned four times, is willing to go down that road again. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's that's, a tough that's thing. amazing and then you think you're going to hell <laughs> i don't think you're going to hell <laughs> you're, you're doing a lot more than than most people would I you mean, know you're opening your home your life to to people in need and that's very special but i've been such i have so much to make up for i was such a sinful dirty rotten existence that <laughs> i don't think if i if i look at the ledger good and bad it's a tough one. It's a not, tough one. It's not your place to judge. God knows your heart. I judge myself all the time. <laughs> Don't judge yourself. That my my one of the residents I went to go visit um, where I used to work. She says uh, God knows your heart, and she said, you know, uh, anything else, any 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 thought in your mind that's telling you you're not worth it is the enemy talking, and I and I take that with me. I do. <clears throat> I like that piece of advice. She's 96 years old. She knows what she's talking about. She's old and wise. But I think back to that uh, girl who was 45 when I was 40 and I left her for a younger girl. <laughs> uh, I, I can tell you, devastated her. Devastated uh, her. She, she got over it. She was right. in love with me even though I wasn't in love with her. And 
Yeah, she got a house out of it. She got a million dollar house, and money was everything to her. So that she got that out. So if I look, if I try to justify it in ways, I can find ways to justify. It. But that guilt of what I did to her, and I wasn't. Uh, Forgive I, yourself. Forgive yourself for past mistakes. I mean, and if you weren't happy, then it would have ended anyway. You know, it it just it just. Yeah, I look at it from the perspective of the wound I put on somebody else's heart. That is, you know, you can't you can't ever undo that wound if you really, really wound somebody in the heart. Yeah, that way you can't. There's nothing you can do to make up for that to make them whole again. They're they're forever jaded. Even any future and listen, she was no. She wasn't a looker at 45 anyway. And she was she was looking old at 45. So I'm just being honest here. Her prospects for landing another guy. Oh my gosh. You're being not, so terrible. We're not good. So that she um she's almost 70 now. It's still that, have you spied on her on Facebook? Is no, she still no, alone? No, no, I blo- I when I even found out she was on, on Facebook, I blocked her immediately. Like, I don't want her finding. I'm I'm deathly afraid that she's gonna show up sometime and want to talk. <laughs> Maybe you need that talk. It seems like No, I don't ever want to see. I want to. I want to pretend. <laughs> I want to pretend that she doesn't exist anymore. Um, oh my goodness! Maybe you just need some. You both need some closure. Sorry, I left you for some twenty-something, not... but but you're not a looker, and you never been, so it's okay. <laughs> it that's not. It's, it, the point. Is I'm. I feel so bad about the her that maybe that's ego maybe she wasn't all that devastating maybe i was just no fucking prize anyway i i have to tell you that it's worse in your mind than it is because i've beaten myself up um, like you over things that i've done in my past i was a, a bad child and um you know i've run into some people that i thought i really severely wounded and they were like, "Oh, hey, Kiara, it's nice to see you." Like, oh. Mike Chavola is, <laughs> is is passing the final judgment. He said, uh, uh, "Kiara, he's going to hell." <laughs> I, I I don't think so, but yeah. I, I I think Mike's onto something. Don't beat yourself <laughs> up. Maybe you have to write a new song. Don't beat yourself up. Well, when you were gone, I played this song, uh, uh, "Church on Sunday," which we don't mm. play anymore. It's an original. I like but- that song. That's a good song. Well, that I got don't. us banned from the church. In I told this story while you were gone about we got banned from the church in Copeg because really, well, we were playing the church festival every year, and this one year we just decided to play Ballad of John and Yoko, and the priest was looking at me the whole time and was singing, uh, "Christ, you know it ain't easy. You, uh, the way things are going, they're going to crucify me." And the church, the, the priest looked at me with a scowl, like, "How dare you, sacrilege, blasphemy on my." And, and so just him giving me that scowl made me, uh, okay, well, we'll play church on Sunday. And so when we get to raise hell, we had like 500, 600 people in the crowd <laughs> fist pumping in the air going, raise hell on the back of the church steps. And uh, so they 10 years, we got a 10-year ban. We got banned for, for life, actually, but the guy died. The priest who was in charge of the thing finally died, and that's how we got back at the church. <gasps> So that time when you we have the video from you singing Bobby McGee, that was our first time back there in ten years. Oh wow! Was that yeah. when I brought the children? Yeah, I guess yeah. It had to be. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Mikey put me through such crap. I Why? said, "Listen, I, I said I don't have a babysitter. I can't make it." He said, "Ah, bring the kids. There's a festival. I bring the kids." 
you saw them. They were uh, the drummer. They were on stage with me and they were hugging my legs. They were shy. So the drummer <laughs> decided to give them one cannoli. He said, you can have my cannoli. So they're fighting over a cannoli in the background, punching each other, screaming, pulling each other's hair. <laughs> and I'm singing and I'm trying to give them the evil eye, like cut it out. And uh, oh, I was sweating. It was such a it was such a horrible time for me. Really wow. was. You got a standing ovation on um, Bobby McGee. <laughs> well, I don't remember. All I remember was fuming. That was yeah. the one time. Every time I bring my kids, I'm I'm just I'm just a mess. Yeah, it's difficult to to have children uh, be at a gig and and stuff because you know you want to give them their attention when you know you don't want to ignore your kids, but it, at some point too, it becomes a really a, a difficult thing to manage. And they know uh, what they can get away with. They know. Mm-hmm. When My I'm on son stage, yeah, cra- crawled into a bass drum and went to sleep. Uh, we were playing rock and roll, Led Zeppelin rock and roll, and he fell asleep in the bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> How? <laughs> he just crawled because you know they, they used to have yeah. those cut, cut, and he just crawled in there. Like, and I'm like, I can't stop him. I'm on, I'm like, I'm playing here. Oh I my can't gosh! Stop. He crawled in the bass drum, and and then he just curled up and went to sleep. <laughs> Isn't it loud in there? <laughs> <laughs> Very loud. Like I'm sure it was going to damage his hearing and, and scar him for life. But uh, it was just amazing that he could do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, so that's another reason I'm going to hell. I mean, you could just take off the... Oh, my goodness. Took all, oh, all, my goodness. all the reasons I'm going to hell. Uh, what is Mike saying? She channeled her Janis Joplin mom personality. I don't think Janis Joplin ever had kids. No, she no, didn't. She didn't. I don't think so. She was 27, right, when she passed 27. Away. They all died at 27. 27 is the time. So, you you know, you made it past the, the rock star death age. Good thing. <laughs> All those, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, I mean, you go down the line, all of them died at 27. Really? 27 is the number. Wow. Yeah. It's like the devil's uh, deal, devil's bargain. I think Jim Croce, 27. Wow. Uh, all, yeah, all of them. All of them. Every one of those rock stars died at 27. Wow. Interesting, right? Oh, my goodness. I didn't actually, I, I didn't realize that. Now I'm kind of wondering. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you go because we're gonna. It's time to wrap up the show. I, I, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Brian Marino didn't didn't show up, folks. But that's the way it happens sometimes. Tomorrow, uh, Jack Schwartz will be with us. Tonight, I just want to let people Ooh. know I have a, an author with me, uh, uh, who's Meg Hafdal, and her book is called "The Science of Serial Killers." Uh, we talk about Jack the Ripper and all, all serial killers and and what goes there. Uh, what, what what makes them tick in uh, the, the yeah. whole science of, of serial killers. So that should be an interesting show on the Mind Dog TV podcast tonight at 8. Otherwise, I'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Okay. So uh, I'll let you out now. Time to end the happy minute and giving $100 to people for groceries in California. That's the big story. Bye for now. Bye. I don't know what's your what's your take on that with the with the uh, grocery stuff and and helping people out and giving them money. Yeah, right, there are two schools of thought on that. Yeah, obviously you want to help people out. You don't want people going hungry. That's for sure. 
uh, giving them money is not necessarily. We have to work on supply chains and bringing costs down, making food affordable. And that goes down to the whole thing about do do we you know that whole idea about what I was talking about before about dealing with with hunger and then there were people. God, I I pray that no none of us ever have to understand what real hunger is like going hungry and not having food to feed your family. That's got to be uh, the worst experience known to man is, is that uh, situation. But uh, there are solutions that we, and we talk about. If we really care, there, there are things that we can do about it that are not as what you we either have a big concert and raise awareness and raise money that way or just hand out money to people who might not. Listen, you give poor people money uh, for food, often it's going to go towards, because because you're still poor, it's not going to go towards real good food, good nutrition. It's going to go towards cheap fast food and stuff that's not good for you anyway and, and, and the stuff that will still leave you hungry in the end. Real solutions and stuff. Uh, maybe this is not the happiest note to end this Monday morning. I do appreciate you being here. I am very sorry that the guest didn't show up today. I'll try to follow up with him and see what happened, but it is what it is, folks. Uh, anyway, thank you for coming. I uh, hope you'll join me tonight or join me tomorrow. Either way, tonight, uh, Meg Haftal. Uh, we'll be talking about the science of serial killers, and then tomorrow on Coffee with the Dog. Uh, on Gov's radio, uh, Gov's podcast at 8.30 a.m. Till then, I'm Matt Napo for Coffee with the Dog. Thanks for joining me today. Have a great rest of your day, and bye for now.
to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.